Faith isn't just about comfort or ritual or meeting our spiritual needs. Faith is following Jesus and being drawn more deeply into the kingdom of God through love, service, and sacrifice for others. Faith is taking on vulnerability because as Jesus walked and journeyed to the cross, this was a journey uh, into weakness, into vulnerability, to the point of death. And it's in his vulnerability, in his breaking, in his suffering and brokenness, that God was glorified, that God's power was revealed and continues to be revealed. Um, Just as Jesus faced humility and death to declare victory over death, as Christians, we are called into humility, um, into suffering, into facing the darkest parts of the world and the darkest parts of ourselves um, in order to experience fullness of life, in order to experience whole relationships, in order to experience real victory. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we do when we journey in Lent is to fast, right? People tend to fast, whether that's, you know, choosing something to deny themselves of, whether that's caffeine or a latte or, or something else. But the reason that we fast um, is to open up space uh, in our hearts, in our lives, in our bodies um, for Christ to move and interact with us. Because a lot of times we fill ourselves, literally, I fill myself with food and rice and other good meats, right? We fill ourselves with things um, even to cope, even to deal uh, or not deal with things that we're feeling or experience. I stream Netflix 3 a.m. in the morning because I don't want to sleep or I can't sleep or my heart is restless and I just need something to occupy it. We work, right, as workaholics, right, because if we were to stop, we would feel and the, and the feel would be overwhelming sometimes, So sometimes we fill our lives with activity and things and food and and non-physical food in order to fill our hearts, in order to avoid, in order to run away. And Lent is a specific time where we're attentive, where we're mindful of the journey that Jesus took and of God's whispering to us. God's speaking to us. God's wanting to be in our lives. And we push aside the junk, right, and the boxes and all of the clutter from our hearts and our lives in order for him to come in. And so uh, that's Lent. Um, But when we look at this passage, one of the things that you'll see at the top of uh, verse 20 is that it says, now there were some Greeks. There's some details there that if you were just kind of doing a cursory reading you would probably just pass it by right there were some greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival they came to philip who was from bethsaida in galilee with a request first of all they were greeks secondly philip by the name and the town that he grew up in you would say philip oh he was a greek philip and andrew were greek they grew up in bethsaida which was Kind of its population was hybrid Greek and Jewish at that time, a, a, a mixture. And so what we see in those details that we might have passed over is that 
there were some Greeks who sought out Philip, who was Greek. And perhaps they weren't speaking, they didn't know Aramaic, maybe. So they were coming um, to Philip and speaking in Greek and saying, we want to see Jesus. And then it says in 22 that Philip went to Andrew, his brother, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. There's a lot of triangulation going on here, right? It's like instead of people going directly to the person, right, people are saying this to another person, another person is telling another person, and those two people are telling Jesus, we want to see you, Jesus. We want to see you, Jesus. And I want us to consider, right, in our journey, in our walk, wherever you are in that process, whether you grew up in the church your whole life, where you, whether you're a Christian I'm I'm not a lukewarm Christian. I'm a hot Christian. I'm not a cold Christian. I come to church every day. I like to lift my hands and praise. Whether you're there or you're like, I just am showing up today and I don't know about this Jesus thing. I grew up in the church. I'm mad at the church. Or I don't believe in religion, but I just like spirituality. I'm open to spiritual things. Wherever you're at, we're looking, right? And maybe the question is, I want to see Jesus. I want to experience God. I want to see God. What does that mean for you when you say, I want to see Jesus? These Greeks are coming and saying, we want to see Jesus. And you know, if you go through the rest of the passage, you don't really see the end of the story. You don't see the conclusion We don't know if they saw Jesus or not. Maybe they did end up seeing Jesus as everyone was gathered at the cross at his execution. Maybe they did experience Jesus and harken back to what uh, Jesus said to Philip and Andrew. Obviously, if they weren't there, they wouldn't have heard what he said. But they wanted to see Jesus. And we want, we're seeking, we want to see something. Jesus responds, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, there remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Well, like I said, I'm growing seedlings in my home, and I'm trying to find any single light, every light bulb, every lamp I can in my house uh, to shine on these seedlings that they leaf up. I don't even know if they're the right, whatever, frequency or whatever. I just shine a light, right? There's not, there's not that much sunshine. I want 24 hours of light on these plants. I'm like whispering sweet nothings to them. I've got this spray bottle with like very light mist and take care of these plants and if you sing to them they'll grow i even uh did some research i was like hey i eat multivitamins right i actually go to costco and get the uh over 50 year old the multivitamin platinum for older people you know because i feel old so i'm gonna eat those multivitamins and i'm like oh vitamins they're good for people they must be good for plants so i mashed up these uh multivitamins and boiled them in water and put them in my spray bottle and started shooting the uh the sprouts that were coming up and i swear to god i actually saw them grow (laughs) i I actually saw them stand straighter up i was like yes this works 
right? And why did I get on plants? Oh, yeah, because Jesus is talking about plants, right? And so it's very interesting. He's using maybe thing, he's talking to farmers. Maybe these people will understand because they till the ground that, yes, when a kernel of wheat falls and actually dies, it actually multiplies and creates more life. And that's the beauty of growth. And that's the beauty of plants and gardening is, whoa, we just put these, some of these seeds are so small, right? They're so small. And you just put them in the dirt and you wait and you wait. And I'm like on my hands and knees watching it. It's like a watched plant never grows, right? I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. But you know what? Miracle happens. Like what are these green things that are popping up. I didn't do it as much as I am whispering to them and putting vitamins in the soil. I'm not really making, creating that growth dynamic. It's just sprouting up. It's, it's the amazing mystery and miracle of life and growth and God's creation. And this is what Jesus is saying is he's attaching glory to death. Glory to death. And we're like, what? Glory and death, those two things don't go together. And for the disciples and perhaps for the Greeks there, they don't go together. They're like, what is this teaching? It doesn't make sense. And we'll see as Jesus uh, journeys towards his death and during his crucifixion and resurrection, the disciples still have a hard time understanding even though Jesus taught it and said it over and over why he had to die they don't understand that this means victory they don't understand that this means glory because in our eyes glory means something else right it's like when I used to daydream as a kid I would daydream scenarios where I would be a hero right like someone is sticking up a grocery store and I'm there in the back getting shopping, getting my cheese. And there's a young lady at the checkout. Like, she's scared. And someone with a gun. And I'm like, dun, dun, dun. And I, like, dive and knock the gun away. And, like, save the day. And um, wrestle the guy down, handcuff him with twine that I found on the, on the thing. And I'm a hero. I would daydream about these things. Or I regularly daydream about, you know dunking on people you know even though i'm like five foot five i'm dunking on people yeah and be like ah i daydream i daydream about glory and you love the olympics the winter olympics when they come around all the epic music whatever however it goes and those stories of people who like worked hard worked hard and suffered through obstacles and suffering and like Poverty, and they finally make it to the Olympics and they win gold and it's like glory and people are carrying them off the field or the slopes or the rink and they're saying hip hip hooray for he's a jolly good fellow for he's a jolly good fellow and I imagine myself being carried away what a great pastor the epic pastor of renewed church the greatest pastor in the world I imagine these things and podcasts right and crystal podiums and crystal cathedrals and like yes yes glory this is what it's about we all want this we all want to shine. We all want to raise, rise up. We all want the trophy and the prize. And that's what the people are expecting. They're expecting 
whether it's the Jews, a Messiah, right? A savior, a prophet who will come, who's the son of God and deliver us from the oppressor and lift us up and save us once and for all. Come in glory and power. And it would be a very physical, political, right? Right there, overthrow the government. Right? And maybe for the Greeks, they're trying to discover the next idea, the next experience, the next spiritual experience. We want to experience Jesus. We want to see Jesus because right before this, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Dead. He resurrected someone who was dead. And the word about Jesus is spreading across the land. And these guys are no doubt coming and saying, Man, we want to see this guy. We want to see him do something. We want to experience this power. And that's why Jesus replies about glory. Yes, the hours come. I will be glorified. My father will be glorified. But what he talks about is death. Just like a wheat kernel of wheat has to die to make life and renewed life, this is what needs to happen for my father to be glorified and for me to be glorified. 27. This is a hard teaching. It's countercultural. It's a table turning. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. You know, I've walked on the journey of uh, my racial cultural identity for a, for a long time since college. I mean, before that, you're just kind of in denial. Right? I'm Asian? What? And then, <laughs> and then after college, you're like, I'm Asian. <laughs> Woo! I'm Asian. <laughs> and, then, and then later, it's like, I'm Asian, and you're black, and you're white, and that's good. Right? So I've dealt with these, uh, the racial cultural stuff, and I've walked the journey of racial reconciliation. And sometimes you get tired, right? You get tired thinking about these things. You get tired of reading things on the news, or watching things on the news, or reading articles and reading the comments below the articles and just being like, people think this way, or people are asking me this thing. People are saying, asking me where I'm from and like whether I speak Chinese. I'm, like, I'm not Chinese. I'm Korean, and I don't even speak Korean that much. And you get this fatigue, you get tired, right? And you don't want to deal. And then every time, you know, sometimes you get to the point where someone brings up race and you're like, oh, I don't want to deal with it, right? Let's just tell a joke, someone. You know, I just want to, like, chill. I just don't want to deal with it. I want fun. I want lighthearted relationships. You know, I want to go out to happy hour and hang out with my friends. I don't want to deal with it. And Jesus is saying, like, when you follow me, You've got to deal with it. That's what it means to follow me. And a lot of times we live in a culture where we like to sweep things under the rug. It's a lot easier. We live in a microwave, right? Touch screen culture. A microwave, touch screen, streaming on demand, fast food world. 
you know. My daughter, she's three, and she gets mad at YouTube when those commercials come out, right? She's like, skip, skip, skip. You're like, how does she know how to skip? And they're smart, right? They give you the option to skip, and all the kids are like, skip. We want things, and we want it now. But sometimes the best things in life and the most meaningful and helpful things in life take time. Slow. Take Easter, for instance. We've all been through the rhythm if you grew up in the church. Oh, Black Friday, darkness, contemplation, meditation, and then turn out all the lights. Boom. Were you there when he died on the cross? And then you go to eat, and then Easter is like, Happy Year! And then we even put Palm Sunday in there before so you can like have a pre-funk for Easter. Like, yay! Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! I'm being very cynical. Sorry, forgive me, forgive me. But we jump to those things. We jump to celebration very quickly. Right? He's risen! He's risen indeed! Let's celebrate! Yes! And still the world is messed up! Right? Still women are being abused. Still children are being exploited. Still dark bodies right, are being incarcerated. Still people are being shot in schools and in the streets. Still most, a lot of people cannot have access to clean water. Still I can open up whatever, Newsweek or whatever, and see the list of top 10 billionaires in the world and how they own, like, whatever insane percentage of the world's wealth. And we live in a city where the real estate is just blowing up and rental market is blowing up. And we feel blessed and lucky. Oh, I found a house we can rent. Or we, we just bought a house. And yet, the bottom is struggling. The homeless population is growing. People are being displaced and really struggling. And we live in that reality. People are hungry and thirsty. Down the street, there's a well. It's the artesian well, right? And apparently, it's the cleanest, best-tasting water in the world, some people say. It comes, it's filtered down from glaciers or whatever, comes up from underground, and it's pure. And you can see if you pass, if you're coming here on 164th, there's lines, people with their jugs and jars, or people pull up back in with their trucks, and they've got like, you know, usually it's the Asian people with like 20 like <laughs> jugs of things, right? And they're like filling them up, and people are like, gosh, I'm gonna be here all day, you know? And I wait, I'm like, I should hold a jug in my car, you know, so when I pass and it's morning time or something and the line's not that long, I can jump in and fill my jug. People want this water. And why do we want this water? One, because it tastes really good and it's pure and it's good for us. Two, because we're thirsty. And there's nothing like a cold drink of water when it's really hot and you've been running or working hard outside, right? It's like... Your body just soaks it in. Ah. And the reason why we need water and enjoy water is because we're thirsty. We're parched. 
Our body needs it and we desire it. We drink it up. And Jesus is the great living water. Amen. And the reason why we drink that and enjoy the goodness of Jesus is one, because it's very good. He tastes, he is very good. He's life after all. And secondly, because we're parched in our soul and we're thirsty. And the, the reason that we line up and jump in and drink from the pool is because we're thirsty and we need it and we want it. And this is what Jesus is saying when he says, I'm, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And you think, oh, it's about the resurrection, right? And one, that's one way to read it, right? Actually, the NIV says, um, what does the NIV say? It says, when I'm lifted up from the earth, in verse 32, and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Which makes you think, oh yeah, when Jesus, he's going to die, but he's going to win, right? He's going to be resurrected and all, all people would be drawn to him. But I think he's actually being quite literal, I think it's actually supposed to read, and when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Verse 33, because he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Literally, in a few days, or a couple of days, when I am lifted up on the cross, I will draw all people to myself. People are going to be drawn to me not because I'm a hero, Right? Not because I'm a winner. Not because I, I'm super Jesus and have all of my stuff put together and there's glory, glory, and like jump on the bandwagon. People are going to be drawn to Jesus because they are thirsty and poor and hungry and they resonate with the journey that Jesus took to the cross. Does that make sense? When I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Faith isn't just about comfort or ritual or meeting our own spiritual needs. Faith is following Jesus and being drawn more deeply into the kingdom of God through love, service, and sacrifice for others. Walk the path of Jesus. That, that's what it means to have faith is to follow Jesus in his path towards vulnerability, towards suffering, towards death, to go deeper into what it means um, to be in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven. What will we see when we see Jesus? When the Greeks come to Philip and Andrew and ask, we want to see Jesus, What are they looking for? What are you looking for when you come into this place and say, I want to see Jesus, or I want community, or I want a worship experience, or I want a church that has a good mission, right? What are you looking for when you say, I 
want to see Jesus. What is glory? What does it mean for Jesus to be glorified in your life, in your neighbor's lives, in this city, in this country, in the world? What does it mean that Jesus is glorified? What does that look like? It means the lost are saved. It means the poor and the powerless are uplifted. It means the voiceless have voice. Right? It means people are looking out for each other. Right? People are saying hi on the streets instead of being looking down like I do sometimes. Seattle freeze become Seattle please. I don't know. <laughs> Where we ask people, I need you. I need you as a friend. I need community. I need to belong. I don't care what you think of me. I'm not that independent, actually. I'm not that self-sufficient, actually. Right? I need relationship, and I need you in my life. I'm vulnerable. And this is the cross. This is the life of the cross, the way of the cross, is openness and brokenness. It's like the seed cracking open. We're allowing our hearts to crack open so God can put his germination power in us, right? So we can germinate. And unless it cracks, he can't do anything. Are you with me, church? Secondly, what does it mean? You hear me and Erica talk about, and on those butcher paper over there, it says, we lament. And there's a list of things that we lament. What does it mean to lament? Why are people talking about lament? What is lament? And it's this idea that in the church, sometimes we forget to lament or we avoid lament at all costs. We avoid mourning with people who are mourning, weeping with people who are weeping, and just sitting there, not trying to fix it. Like as a pastor and minister, I'm good at fixing things and fixing problems and fixing what people bring to me, giving advice. But to lament means to just sit and cry and be sad and to sit in that. And the thing that we'll discover is that in order to fully experience the glory and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we need to be a people of lament, deep lament. Because you can't experience great joy and great uprising until you are keenly aware and fluent in lament. Are you with me? Does that make sense? When I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. People were drawn to Jesus because he gave them water when they were thirsty. We are thirsty. You are thirsty. Your neighbors are thirsty. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you will be glorified, that you are glorified, um, that you have been lifted up and thank you for your sacrifice and as we embody that embrace that meditate on that in this season help us to be aware of 
the places of depravity and hurt and pain in our own hearts, in our lives, in our families' lives, and also in the lives of our neighbors around us. That as much as we may put on smiles and put togetherness, that we're all broken people and that we're all struggling as we walk this journey of life. Teach us and grow our hearts. Stretch our attention span. Stretch our heart span and our soul span to be able to embrace the other in fuller ways and to embrace your Holy Spirit as you heal and renew us. In your name, amen.